Okay, um, tonight um, we'll start Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, verse 31 and 33. I was reading this once and I sat back and I was thinking about it and I thought of it and I thought, what is the kingdom of God? Because it tells us here in verse 31 to 33, it says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What uh, shall we eat or what shall we drink? Wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I thought about that, and I thought, what's the kingdom of God? I always had to think about, and you think of the kingdom as a place of this, and um, you've got God in there as well, so maybe it's a place where God is. And... And then I sort of started thinking a little bit more about that and I thought that um, in Isaiah 57, verse 15, it says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity. And eternity is the only time it's used actually in the Bible there. But um, so God is inhabiting eternity. So maybe the kingdom of God, if we're told to seek it, maybe it's not eternity. Maybe it's not heaven. Maybe it's something else. The phrase kingdom of God um, is not used in the Old Testament at all. It talks about the kingdom of the earth in numerous places, um, but it never mentions um, the, kingdom, yeah, the kingdom of God in, in the Old Testament. It is in the New Testament. It's, um, the, king, the phrase kingdom of God is used 54 of the 69 times it's mentioned in the Gospels. So it's something that God is, uh, sorry, that Jesus was actually interested in, the kingdom of God and the fact that people needed to actually find it and seek it out just to find out and see what it was. So it talks to you about all these things will be added to you if you seek the kingdom of God. And so how do you seek the kingdom of God? So we'll go to Matthew 19 and verse 16 to 24. It says, And behold, one said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said unto him, Which? And Jesus said, Thou shalt uh, do no murder, thou shalt uh, not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honour thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. And the young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And the young man, when he heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So he wanted to know, How do I inherit eternal life? And it talks here about it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and, and different things that and, uh, for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So for a man to trust riches is going to hinder him, if you like, trying to find what the kingdom of God is because the rich tend to think in a lot of cases that they have no need of God because they've got everything they want. They've got the money that will enable them to do and get what they need. So I sat thinking about that and I thought, well, Obviously, it's not something that you can buy with money. We can all do things in our natural abilities. We all have different abilities to do things and we can all get by. 
But God isn't interested in what we can do um, and what we can uh, offer him, if you like, so to find the kingdom of God. So whatever we look for, we know that the kingdom of God is not something that you can buy. So go to Matthew 21 and uh, verse 28 to 32. Had anybody ever thought about what the kingdom of God was before? They'd taken time out to have a look. So it wasn't just me then. That's all right. He says, But what think you? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father. And they said unto him, The first. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and you, when you had seen it, repented not afterwards, that you might believe him. So the publicans and the harlots and the people who, if you like, rejected the uh, the law and God and all the other things before under the Old Testament, were the people who, when they heard the word of God, changed their minds and their attitudes and they turned to God and they started following uh, and looking to him. And um, and then who knows how many on the day of Pentecost when they finally received the Spirit. But when you look at the, the, um, the Pharisees and the uh, religious people of the time, they weren't really interested in the law as such. They were interested in their own ideas and what they could achieve and what they could get from it. So... To enter into the kingdom of God, our own ideas and our own thoughts are not going to be beneficial either. So we've got to keep going. So we go to Mark chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. Jesus has been talking to the people. We've got the, the parable um, of the sower and the seed. And in verse 9 he said unto them, He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him uh, with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. So the disciples and the other people who were genuinely wanted to follow the Lord were the ones who were if you like, were being led, they were being taught, they were being shown what the mystery of the kingdom of God really was all about. In um, Matthew 3, um, it tells us here, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, this is John talking to them, he said, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come, says, bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. So these people that were there, the religious people and all the rest of it, were the ones who couldn't see what it was that Jesus was trying to portray. But it was the other people, the disciples, who spent time and listened and followed Jesus were the ones who were getting a bit of an insight of what the the kingdom of God, if you like, was all about. So if we want to just sit back and rely upon the Old Testament and the Old Testament ways, we'll find that that's not going to, to lead us to the uh, salvation, it's not going to lead us to the kingdom of God either. So, go to Mark, uh, verse 30 and 32 of the same chapter. 
and says, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what shall we, uh, what comparison shall we compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds uh, that be in the earth. But when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater with all herbs and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. So to compare the, this kingdom of God, it talked about it's like a, a seed. Now, we don't know how seeds work. We know that you get them and you put them in the ground. And if you give a bit of water and um, if the temperatures of the ground is right, then eventually something will happen. You'll start seeing things that will come up. And if you're lucky, you'll get the plant you planted and not the weeds that will beat it. Um, and it comes up as uh, just a sprout and then it comes in and starts developing and eventually grows up and then will produce the fruit that you uh, you want. So it is is like this seed. It's like something that's got to start from somewhere and it's got to be something that will start growing. Um, we know, uh, where is it, in John 3... Um, when Jesus talking to Nicodemus, he tells us here, he says, Marvel not that I said unto you that you must be born again. And so he's telling them, you've got to have a new start. It can't be something that you're just going to keep going and do what you're doing, what you've always been doing. It's got to be something new. And that's what happens when you put a seed in. It is giving that new start that is there. So the kingdom of God, when it appears in our life, if you like, it's going to be able to grow, something that's going to grow in our lives something that's going to eventually bear fruit and something that will teach us as we go along. Um, Mark chapter 1, which is verse 14 and 15. It says now, <coughs> excuse me, after that John was put in prison and Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God's at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, um, it continues on in, in Luke's version of it. He talks about uh, show the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Or if you like, start to show the benefits of what our relationship with God uh, can be. Now, why did Jesus come to the earth in the first place? What kind of benefits are going to be coming from that? We know that when Jesus came, he came preaching the gospel. He came preaching the good news of salvation. He came preaching the power of God. He came preaching, telling people that their lives could be changed and things could be better. And so he was there when he came to lead the people to the Holy Ghost, to tell people about this relationship that they were going to have. And that's the example that he was sending to the people, that the power of God was going to be evident, the power of God was going to be working, that was there. And so as Jesus' time was starting here, as he's saying that the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, things are going to start changing, things are going to start happening, people are going to start seeing things that they haven't seen before. And as it says there, they told them to repent and believe the gospel. We read in Acts 2.38, and says, Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of the sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So they were going to receive this power of God. It was going to come into their lives as well. Now, um, Mark chapter one, uh, chapter 9 and verse 1. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Now, Jesus is saying you're not going to see death 
until you see the kingdom of God come. Now, if the kingdom of God was heaven or it was a place or something like that, we'd have some mighty old people floating around, probably older than what you look around here now and we see. So if we've got, all right, if we've got people that are not in their thousands of years old, obviously something has happened. The kingdom of God must have, must be somewhere. Otherwise, these people would still be around today. So, if it was heaven, then um, we've all missed out. In Acts chapter 1, it tells us in verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come on you. So, there was something that the people were going to receive as well. So, Matthew 12, verse 25 to 28. Sorry about so many scriptures and bouncing around and things like that. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said unto them, um, Jesus just cast out a devil out of a person here at this time, and the Pharisees obviously, they um, had a go at Jesus for doing so. Um, And verse uh, yeah, 25 says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? If I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judge. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So Jesus, as he's saying, he was casting out the devils by the Spirit of God, the power of God that was going to be there. And this is the only power that is capable of doing things like that and changing things. In Mark 16, verse 15 to 18, we all know it says that he believes and is baptised will be saved. He that believes not will be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. I will speak in new tongues. I will take up serpents. If they drink, drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They lay, shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is the power that people were going to receive when they received the Holy Spirit. And this is the power that God was going to be allocating to people. And this is the power that Jesus was using at this time. And it says, and he cast out devils by it. But he was saying, if um, where is it? Uh, in verse 28, it says, but I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So the power of God is going to be there. And it's going to be evident before them. And Mark 9, and verse 43 to 48, um, it says here that, uh, and if your hand offend you, cut it off. It's better to enter into life maimed than having two hands and going to hell, uh, two hands to go into hell into the fire that never uh, shall be quenched, where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. If your foot offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dies not, and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye offend you, pluck it out, for it's better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes and be cast into hellfire, where their worm dies not, and the fire is not quenched. Now, this is not um, this is something that's metaphoric. It's not something that we are encouraged to do by any stretch of the imagination, so I never think that that's what we need to be doing. But when it's talking about this, it's, talks, it starts off and talks about the hands. Now, hands are something that we all use and we can use the hands to 
do things good and we can use the hands to possibly do things that are not so good. And so as it says here, it talks about the hands um, that, and it mentions the hands and also your feet too. Our feet will take us wherever we want to go. So if we want to do the right thing, our feet will take us there. But if I want to do the wrong thing, our feet will also take us there. So we've got to realise what it is. And as it says, if a hand offend the orderly foot, it's better off to get rid of something that's going to hinder us and keep our relationship with God right. But here it talks about that. It talks it mentions there, um, the hands and feet are mentioned about they enter into life. Um, and then it talks after that, mentions the eye. Now the eye is something that we see with and it puts information to our brain. And so um, our eyes will feed our brain with whatever we want to look at and see. And so if we find ourselves in situations where we are seeing things that we shouldn't be or don't want to be, metaphorically we need to get rid of one of those eyes so that we can actually refocus again and be one-eyed for what we do believe and so that we can keep our focus where God actually wants us to be. In Matthew um, 5, verse 28, it tells us here that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in a heart, uh, uh, adultery with her already in his heart. Now this um, comes from the, I think it comes from Luke, uh, sort of a little bit more of the story. So our eyes will take in things of whatever we want to to see and then it feeds the brain the wrong way. And so we've got to make sure that what we see is one eye for the Lord. So we'll go on. Um, oh, God, I uh, might jump a little bit. We'll go to Acts 8, verse 12 and 13. Um, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptised, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. So there was something that was taking place, and Philip went about preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. And when people heard that, they were baptised. Now, when people are baptised, what do people expect to take place when they're baptised. We expect that the Holy Spirit, people get baptised with an expectation of having a new start and receiving the Holy Spirit. And so when he was preaching this kingdom of God, he was telling them they've got to expect there's going to be something more. He was telling them that you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that is something that um, I suppose it's a question we ask anybody who comes along, whether they've come from another organisation or not that if they were baptised by full immersion, did they expect to receive the Holy Spirit? Did they expect to actually receive the power of God in their lives? And so we do baptise people again with them for the expectation that they will receive the Holy Spirit. So we'll finish up in Luke chapter 17, and hopefully this will bring it together a little bit. Verse 20, 21. It says, And when he saw, sorry, when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, here or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So the kingdom of God is not going to be something that we're going to see coming. It's not going to be something where we turn around and say, If you go there or you go somewhere else, you're going to be able to see this kingdom of God. 
because the kingdom of God's inside. It's something that we can't see that is there. So you have to think about it. What is it that God has given to us that is going to lead us and guide us and teach us, that's going to grow and bear fruit, that cannot be bought, that cannot be rationalised by our own thoughts and ideas, that is going to give us a power that's going to work inside of us. I believe that the kingdom of God is not a place to come, but rather it's where the power of God dwells. Read there that the kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit, which we read there. The kingdom of God dwells within us. So there you go. Amen. Amen.